All right. Remember, as you know the universe, you know yourself. Aloha and welcome back, interdimensional friends, multidimensional beings, shifters, light guardians from within the matrix. This is Brendan, and you are tuned in for another educational, inspirational broadcast here on behalf of Paradigm Shift Central, a portal for inspirational conscious media and a real world interactive game to be able to help assist with the shift in consciousness. And thank you again so much, everyone, for being here, for being a part of this community, for joining us for another inspirational episode of Leading the Shift here once again to be able to bring to you some some of the amazing people who are helping make a difference in this world, to be able to provide you with insightful and inspirational discussions to help you in activating your potential and making a positive impact as leaders, light guardians, and shifters. So, of course, for today's episode, this is our friend that we have with us, Phil. So, Phil, go ahead and just unmute yourself. We'll just do a quick hello, and then we'll give a little bit of an overview, and then we'll get right into the discussion. So, Phil, just go ahead and say hello and welcome and gratitude to everybody tuned in today. Hey, hello. Thanks for having me. It's, it's exciting to be on the podcast. You know, we've been crossing paths for a long time and seeing all the work you've done in your community and how you're always keeping the light alive. It's always really inspiring for us. And I'm just happy to uh, be collaborating again with Paradigm Shift. It's always a blast. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Phil. And thank you again to everybody who is with us live and in the future. For those of you who are in the YouTube broadcast, in the YouTube chat, please feel free to just leave some comments there. Let us know you're there. We're going to be engaging with some questions uh, throughout the broadcast to the best of our abilities. And for those of you who are tuning in on Facebook, either live or in the future, follow over to the YouTube link at youtube.com forward slash Skull Babylon to be able to jump into the YouTube there to make sure that we see your comments. Otherwise, uh, there is a possibility that we might miss your comments if you're posting on Facebook, but nonetheless, thank you so much for joining in wherever you are and whenever you are. So again, just as a little bit of a quick overview for those who may be entirely new to Paradigm Shift Central, welcome so much. My name is Brendan, aka Skull Babylon, aka Mystic Spider-Man on Instagram, and we've been doing these broadcasts for quite some time in a variety of fashion with the intention of being able to help create space to inspire people, to give them that opportunity to connect with like-hearted and like-minded individuals who are helping make a difference in this world and we have all sorts of different broadcasts leading the shift is just one of them we have dream class we have team team roundtables we have over 140 archived episodes of paradigm shift radio going back to when we started this in 2011 was when we started doing broadcasts and again by doing these broadcasts we want to be able to help provide you with consciousness expanding ideas that are going to help shift your paradigms that are going to help change the way that you see the world and of course a huge huge thank you to everybody who is supporting us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash brendan culton a lot of heart and effort goes into creating these broadcasts for the community and they are made possible thanks to our collective support so if you enjoy these broadcasts please feel free to follow the patreon link when you get a chance to be able to contribute a monthly micro donation of your choice which also gives you a discount for items at questitemshop.com which include our light guardian crystals and the shift buttons and laminated free hug signs tools to be able to help assist you in shifting consciousness and building community where you are so again be sure to check out more at paradigmshiftcentral.com lots of awesome videos podcasts community articles that are happening there and plenty more still to come so in terms of really just focusing in on the conversation for this broadcast again with leading the shift i really go out of my way to be able to find people who are making an impact who are who are literally leading the shift who are helping assist in building community create inspirational example bringing knowledge into a place where people can be able to learn 
and grow together collectively. And so our friend Phil that we had for this broadcast, who is going by uh, the name Phil Incognito today, just... <laughs> I swear that's his real last name I swear so but nonetheless for those of you who uh, have been involved with paradigm shift I'll give you a little bit of context and then we'll get right into the discussion and we'll learn a little bit about Phil's story uh, as well as uh, what he is passionate about and for this topic we're, we're for this broadcast part of the reason why I wanted to bring on Phil on is because Phil is a Gnostic teacher. He is a teacher of Gnosis and we're going to learn a little bit more about what Gnosis is. Uh, but this is a lot to do with esoteric knowledge. So if you're a big fan of topics related to like the journey of the soul, lucid dreaming, multidimensional beings, astral projection, Kabbalah, tarot, astrology, uh, chakras, things of that nature, then we're going to really be diving into a lot of those topics here within the broadcast. Podcast, as well as weaving in a little bit of Phil's own personal experience and stories with the esoteric. So creating a little bit of context, uh, for those of you who have been tuned into previous broadcasts that I've done through my Instagram and on YouTube for the Waking Up With Wolf broadcast, you know that a big thing that we were doing there was doing the regular chakra practice meditations. And that was, you know, working through the chakras, the E A O U. Uh, mm, and it's been a while since I've done it off the top of my head. I think that was right, more or less. But oh, and uh, the the uh, ah for the pulmonaries as well. And with uh, the chakra practice that we were doing there, for some of you who who were following up on that, there was like a two hour lecture uh, as well that I was that I made available that is still online on Paradigm Shift Central and on my YouTube channel. And Phil was the Gnostic teacher who was giving that lecture. So it was a part of his inspiration that was like, okay, here's some practical information in terms of the mantras, in terms of the chakra activation. And that really inspired me to be able to like be, okay, I know if I do this daily, it's going to help. Let's do this as a broadcast and then we can come together and do it as a community. And I know a lot of you who have been tuned into this, have been a part of those broadcasts and got to experience that. So again, you're, you're like, it's cool to, to know that Phil was a bit of the inspiration that kind of like led to that. And now here we are here. And going back even further, Phil has been involved with many presentations here in our city of London, Ontario, Canada, which is where we are both located. And the Gnostic Groove, they commonly put on uh, presentations at the local library for free, straight up. Like, it's really cool. You'll just be walking through the library and then you'll just see a poster. It's like, are you interested in astral projection and lucid dreaming? Like, come to the Gnostic presentation free this Friday or Saturday or something like that. And so they've done numerous amount of these. And I've uh, connected with the Gnostic community in London over the years way way back when I first started Paradigm Shift when I first came to one of their pre presentations on lucid dreaming and astral projection uh, that really started to awaken me to to my own awareness as a multi-dimensional being so that's just a little bit about uh, what Phil's been involved with and, and there's more to this story uh, including uh, we'll also be able to dive into a little bit of his um, experience with Freemasonry which I, I know even even for some people they're just like they're just like whoa like Freemasonry like I'm listening like that's what's what's all that about super mysterious and, and and all that esoteric stuff so if you've ever been curious to learn a little bit more about freemasonry and just kind of like what goes on within the institutions and and what they're learning and what they're teaching uh we'll, we'll be able to talk a little bit about that with phil here today as well as being able to answer any questions that you guys might have related to esoteric knowledge so Phil, with that said, thank you so much again for, for joining us here on this podcast and, and again, collaborating not just with the 
intention to, to be able to share your story, but also with the intention to continue to make this information more accessible and grounded and practical in today's modern age. So Phil, thank you again. And we'll pass the pass a talking stick over to you and, and go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story and, and what kind of led you to your own experiences that eventually uh, you know, pointed you towards the path of Gnosticism and Masonry and where we are today. So go ahead, Phil. Yeah, sure. Thanks so much. It's a, like, where do we start? I don't want to bore anybody to death, but I would say, you know, when I was younger and growing up here in London, I'm about as what can we say, normal or, or average a person as you could imagine. Like, so what I'm saying, nothing nothing particularly special about me. And when I was a younger person, had absolutely no interest in spirituality. Not that I disliked it, I just had no idea what it was. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older that uh, it sort of awakened in me through, through various experiences. But one was an out-of-body experience that I did have. And at that time, I had no context for it at all. So... Um, so it was interesting that the first experience I had with, say, an out-of-body or astral experience was when I was, I remember I was lying on my bed. It was a very hot day. I had this little floor fan blowing on me because I couldn't afford AC at the time. And all of a sudden, this I was falling asleep, this electric sensation across my whole body. Next thing you know, I'm floating, bouncing off the top of the, the ceiling, thinking, well, I was raised Roman Catholic, so I was thinking, I'm dead, obviously, and I'm going to hell, obviously. This is what I was thinking. And then, you know, I I woke up looking at the ceiling, and, and then from that day on, I had first of all, I had trouble sleeping for about two weeks. And then, then I was really interested in these sort of things. You know, I had come across, uh, what, do you, what was this Oprah thing? Do you remember? The, the Secret? You remember The Secret? Yeah, the big book that she was always it, ranting about yeah, yeah, yeah. back in the day. So. I had a girlfriend or something who was really into that, and I was like, ah, I don't know. And we watched the, the movie, and I, I don't know, I wasn't so into it. But there was, at the beginning or something, some kind of flash of a scene of the Knights Templar and the Emerald Tablet of Hermes, and I got really into that kind of stuff. And, and it's through sort of studying the Knights Templar that I, I became a Freemason because I knew they were somehow connected. So I wanted to find out a little bit more, and one of my friends happened to be a Mason, so... I asked him, and on the, well, I think it was the day of my, my, my wedding to my first wife, I put in my application to become a Freemason, and, and it was a cool journey, I'll tell you. I'm not, I'm not currently a member. I'm what's called, a, I, I've left in good standing because I'm pretty busy with the Gnostic school now, so I've, I've left, but it was a very cool journey, and it was a big, it was a a big part of my life for sure to get me on the path towards spirituality. Um, I feel like I'm ranting, but, but it was a, it, it for me started opening the doors. Although, you know, to demystify stuff right away, people generally in Freemasonry aren't studying chakras and Kabbalah and tarot and astrology stuff. It's not, it's not so openly esoteric, especially in the lower degrees that I was in. So I, I kept wanting to search more and more, and I came across this author who started, who was, who was writing a lot about esoteric Freemasonry and the inner spiritual meaning of it. And that author was Samael Anveor, and he was the founder of the modern Gnostic movement. And so I had that going for me, coupled with this ex out-of-body experience. And I was at, well, if, you, if you're in London, you know Mandela Bookstore. So I was there, 
and just happened to be checking it out, and there was a flyer, Astral Projection. Come see a free lecture from the London Gnostic Group. So first of all, I, I wanted to know what was going on with this Astral Projection stuff. And second of all, I knew that Gnosis was linked to this author, Samuel Arvor, who I had been reading about in his writings on esoteric Freemasonry. So I went to the lecture and uh, was really interested in what I heard and saw and then signed up for the classes and started taking classes on Gnosis. And now it's like seven or eight years later, and I'm in London now. My wife and I are the ones running the center here, and we run it out of our basement. There's an apartment down there that we rent out and have turned into a Gnostic center and are giving the classes down there now. So, so there's a lot, a lot to unpack. I don't want to just ramble. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and I'd, love to, I'd love to, again, just kind of like dig a little bit deeper into your own personal passions and, and, and yeah. what, you know, why did you feel this calling to be able to become a teacher and everything? And, and before we even do that, we'll just kind of back, uh, take a couple steps back because, again, you know, there's a lot of people who, even though they've, they, they're familiar with spirituality, they've had their own experiences, you know, they, they know about synchronicity and chakras and everything like that. But the term gnosis, gnosticism, isn't really always one that a lot of people have in, in their vernacular. It's not like usually at the forefront of their mind. So again, you know, just for people who may be even entirely new to this, maybe they're just tuning in for the first time, explain to us exactly like what gnosticism, what gnosis is, and, and kind of like what it has become today. If, if that's applicable yeah, so. sure thing I think the easiest way to understand it is we don't really have as you said gnosis in the vernacular but we have agnostic the word agnostic so many people today are agnostics which means they're not atheists and they're not religious essentially the fundamental meaning is we can't know so why sort of bother trying that's my own you know synthesis of that of agnostic Gnostic means the opposite. It means we can know. Every individual can know for themselves and experience sort of these divinities, these parallel dimensions, the higher spiritual reality. It's within the nature of every human being that they're able to do that. So the early, the earliest Gnostics were the, the early Christians and the, and, and the Jews. Together there was a, in the in the ancient Jewish line, there's a thing called Kabbalah, which is their sort of esoteric side. And that was transferred over into the early Christians. And the early Christian Gnostics were the ones that believed that every single individual can reach divinity for themselves without needing an intermediary. And then the uh, institutionalized Christi Christianity said, no, you need, an, you need an intermediary, and that intermediary is the church. And so the two couldn't really coexist. The Roman Empire became the Roman Catholic Church, and Gnosticism was suppressed, essentially. It popped its head up here and there with the Cathars and the, and the Knights Templar and these other groups that had these Gnostic undertones, but generally had been suppressed. And now modern Gnosis, that I'm a teacher in the School of Modern Gnosis, founded by Samael Anveyor, is called that because it shares a lot of the basic principles. Every individual can reach divinity for themselves, through themselves, by their own work, and also as a side note, they have to do it for themselves. Nobody else can save you kind of idea, that it's up to each individual to take responsibility for their own spiritual evolution, and it's, all, it's along those Gnostic principles that yes, we can know, every person can know, let's try to figure this thing out. 
And, and so in, in terms of, again, you know, like Gnosticism, from my understanding, is literally like the study of knowledge. And, and so a lot of what I've come to understand this, the teachings of Gnosis is about is about, again, kind of understanding the connecting threads between many of the different spiritual teachings across history, across lands and, and, and across, you know, all of these different stories that are essentially telling these common recurring themes about, you know, like the 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 awakening of the soul and and just you know the hero's journey if we want to kind of refer to it in joseph campbell's term and so i i mean in, in a lot of ways like what do you feel uh again if we're just kind of like summarizing because i feel like with a lot of the gnostic stuff again it's it, it's kind of pointing us towards this teaching of being able to develop sight in a new way to kind of begin to see the world in a new way to begin to see ourselves in a new way and a big part of that as the teachings lead us into is the idea of understanding that you know like the physical incarnation is not the be-all end-all because it's easy to kind of be walking through this maya through this world through this illusion and and you're so ingrained with it that that's that's the story that you live but as you know again the gnostic teachings kind of begin to slowly reveal is is again the the quote-unquote truth uh, about this reality so i guess in some ways as we kind of start to branch into a little bit more of the topics about you know what it means to be a multi-dimensional being and astral, astral projection what do you feel are some of the essential truths that gnosticism uh tries to help you know bring to its students yeah i'd say the, the first one is in the name gnosis which is greek for knowledge and it the implication is similar to something that you said in the intro, where the idea is if you know yourself, then you'll know the universe because we're the microcosm of the macrocosm. So Gnosis, the deeper truths are that we can know ourselves. And that what that really means is we know where, who are we really, where are we really, and to take the long, hard look at ourselves internally and externally and to see, yeah, what is it that drives me? And what is it that motivates me? And what is it that moves me? And to take a critical look at ourselves as well, at essentially one of the one of the fundamental teachings in Gnosis is the idea of the ego, which probably gets, it's probably people are familiar with now, but the idea of the ego, which is this, this psychological aspect that we have that has separated us from divinity, has separated us from unity, and has separated us from feeling um, like we're united with our brothers and sisters and the world and the universe. So the ego is essentially the tunnel vision, selfishness, self-preservation mode of the psychological state. And we start looking at that, essentially. And seeing that reflected in so many of the world's mythologies and religions and stories that we start to see that there's a commonality that these, these religions, these modalities, they're all pointing to the same thing. Number one, you have to conquer evil. That evil is internal. It's not external. There's no external enemy. Any, any external enemy is a projection of this internal enemy, if we can call it that. We're just scratching the surface. But the idea that the enemy is ignorance. But ignorance in modern, modern terms we could call subconsciousness, our subconscious. And we start shedding the light slowly on that. Starting to, build, starting to build the bridge back towards divinity and to find our place back towards our own inner being, our inner God, or our highest consciousness, or whatever you want to call it. And so Gnosis 
points out the way that that's been said over and over and over again, whether it's our theory and legend, Old Testament, New Testament, Quran, Kabbalah, all of the, you know, all of these plays and operas of Mozart's magic flute, so many times and so much culture and art is reiterating and reiterating this fact. And we love these stories, these Joseph Campbell stories, these hero's journey. When you mess with the hero's journey and, and those steps, you feel out of sorts with that story. We, we try to do it now because everything's modern art and, you know, you got to get the guy, not get the girl or whatever it is. But when, when it doesn't work out, we feel it because they're, they're, they're speaking to, to the subconscious. They're speaking to the soul. It's not merely, it's not merely the surface level of these stories. They're really important because we're on that journey right here, right now, trying to save our soul from the dragon of ignorance. And Gnosis points that out to us. Wonderfully said. Awesome. And and yeah, again, you know, like, I think it's really interesting when we consider the idea that the knowledge being presented through Gnosticism is literally older than time, you know, since mm -hmm. since since souls have been incarnating on this earth, there has been this ongoing journey of kind of, you know, going through a process of awakening or, or like you know amnesia awakening amnesia awakening sleep awake sleep awake sleep awake and, and we're constantly on this path where where we need to be able to remind ourselves and and it's interesting because again like it's i love the idea and i just kind of like to get your thoughts on this about this again this kind of primordial wisdom that that exists within the seed of our soul that just innately comes through uh the different cultures without without them ever ever having to talk to one another you know at least to to our knowledge and everything like that um i'm just kind of curious you know like do you feel that within each and every one of us there is kind of this this like innate higher dimensional wisdom that that has this truth within us and then again gnosticism is just kind of the the teachers and the fingers kind of helping point us back to that that inner wisdom and, and again i think that's a big theme that a lot of people are kind of awakening to in today's day and age is this idea of you know, yeah, you're reading this out of a book, but it's really a process of remembering and, and it's this process of kind of reconnecting with an internal truth. So yeah, just kind of your general thoughts or perspectives on that idea is like literally the entire intelligence of the cosmos in each one of us. Is that quite how it works? <laughs> I would say absolutely. Absolutely. And we're connected with that. Only it's on the subconscious level because on the on the upper levels, we have this cloud, we're clouded, our vision's clouded, we're fascinated with this world and we become fixated on it and we sort of sever our ties with the spiritual world. And the thing about these, one thing, like it's interesting that religion or these, uh, we'll say religion, religion is a human universal across time and across, you know, geographical locations. People are, they always come up with these religions and they always have similarities. And the similarities, although they, they have differences and then they go to war over these differences, which are smaller than the similarities, but, but these similarities are stemming be from the idea that there's a kernel of truth, that at the core of all of these stories, legends, mythologies, religions, is truth. And truth, I think, is getting a bad rap these days because it's very common for us to say, you know, live your truth or it, or that's my I'm speaking my truth you speak your truth when truth the word itself is singular if something's true it's true for you and it's true for me and it's true for everybody that's what truth is and so this commonality that we're finding across religions is truth 
And it really has to do with the struggle and the resurrection and the advancement of the internal individual soul. And we know that on a, on a subconscious level, in a deep heart level, because there's parts of our consciousness that seem like they're separated from us and they seem far away, but they're calling to us all the time to walk the path, to re reclimb that mountain and get back on the summit. And, and that's what I think is going on and people are waking up to. Awesome. Beautiful. And and so, yeah, with, with that, I'd love to kind of, again, just get a little bit more insight from your own personal perspective. And, and, you know, again, like what at what point within your journey did you feel the call to kind of want to be a teacher for for these for these truths? Because obviously it didn't just like, you know, for for a teacher, it's not something where they're just like, okay, I'm going to teach this, but it's more so something that comes out of a process of practicing, experiencing, being able to receive the the benefits of this practice. So do you do you recall kind of like, at what point within your journey, you felt that it would be something within your best interest to be able to help assist in sharing this knowledge with others? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was interesting, because it happened on two fronts because I became a teacher of Gnosis at the same time that I became a, teach, a teacher in my professional life, because I'm currently a teacher at a private school here in London. And, but it happened around the same time, where I had been in Gnosis for some years. And you know, when I say a Gnosis, I mean, we have a school. What that means is I, I signed up from the astral projection lectures and started going to the classes. They have a phase A class, it's called which lasted for me about six months in a phase B class, which lasted for six months in a phase C class, which lasted about a year. So it's about a two, two years of going once a week. It doesn't feel like a long commitment because the lectures and the meditations that we're doing every week are amazing. And then you join the group. And in the group, we have our own practices. It's kind of like an, like an inner circle or something like this. And I had been in that group for a while. And I had a wonderful teacher, a wonderful teacher, a fellow named Wolfgang very, very deeply, deeply dedicated to the teachings. And, and he had, you know, he developed cancer at a point in his life. And so he was giving the, the teachings, but at some point he needed some help from other people. So I stepped in and started helping deliver some of the teachings, although it's not exactly the custom in our tradition to do it like that. Uh, so I was teaching on the side here and there, some of the classes. And then at, at a certain point, I decided, you know, I'm going to also go and become a, a Waldorf teacher, become a teacher for this Waldorf school, which is based on the spiritual system of Rudolf Steiner, also related to multidimensional life living and stuff we'll talk, we can talk about after. And so I went away to school. I'm in Toronto, and then I got the call. You know, my, my, my brother, who was in Gnosis at the time, said, you better come down here. It looks like maybe Wolfgang's not going to last the night. So I, you know, went down, went to the hospital, saw him. He's in palliative care. Is on morphine, so it's you know it's, it's difficult to see somebody that you love and respect so much like that. But he was so brave; he was facing his death. Like, don't 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 cry about this or don't worry about this because I'm going to change my body like people change socks. It's you know he was just so dedicated to the teachings, and so he, I saw him. You know we spent the good couple hours together. Went back to Toronto. Then sure enough, next day get the call, he had passed. So we went to the point. There was a big funeral because the Gnostic group in London is maybe 30 people, but but there's hundreds, hundreds in Canada. So when we had the, we had, there's like 22 centers in Quebec and eight centers in Ontario. So there was a really large funeral. And it was at the funeral that his widow came to me and said, 
you gotta you gotta go take the course. Go take the course and become an official instructor. Help the center. I said, no, you know what? I'm gonna do it because I thought about doing it before, and Wolfgang always suggested I should do it. But now was the time. We needed a we needed a teacher, and you know, it's like there's a point in, in your life. Everybody, you have to ask if if not you, then who is gonna do it? And if not now, then when are you gonna do it? So I decided to do it. I uh, I. I graduated from my Waldorf teacher training course, but didn't have a job, so I went right away to the to the Gnostic instructor course, which is sort of it's a beautiful experience. It's about three months living a monastic type of life, segregated from society, deeply meditating, deeply studying the teachings, and did that course. Absolutely loved it. Met lots of great new people in Gnosis that I'm dear friends with today, and then from there came out and started giving the teachings. But I, I believe that I'm a teacher of Gnosis now because I had a wonderful teacher and in the back of the, my mind it wasn't there's no there's, first of all there's no glory in this so it was that somebody did it for me somebody learned the teachings and they shared them with me and I did the practices and I got benefits from the experiences and I experienced what they said I would and now I have to pass that on I'm going to do that for someone else and those so since then that was maybe 2013 then I've been the instructor and also the director here in London and now co-directing with my wife so it's been it's been a great journey and I'm happy to still be on it it's very powerful and and again I know uh, even you know from a bit of my own experience the idea of you know stepping into that role of a teacher really just like continues to evolve you as a student because you're constantly just like not only learning, but like you're learning how to teach, which is a whole, whole, you know, different type of modality in itself. But thank you again, Phil, for, you know, really just like stepping into that. And, and, and again, you know, like acknowledging that this in itself is also like, call it your Dharma or, or call it what you will, but it, it really is just like something that I'm sure if you, didn't do like there would probably always be like a little voice in your head that would always kind of be like you know like oh but you could have or you should have or what if type thing so it, it really means it, it says a lot about a person to be able to devote themselves in service to others and to really find that that purpose and, and again and I know just through all the people that you've connected with and the seeds that you've planted undeniably it's made a huge difference in the individual lives of people and I think in a lot of ways as Gnosticism, as the Gnosis kind of teaches is that, you know, the shift in consciousness that we are experiencing will continue to take place through the individual transformation of, of ourselves as individuals, you know, so that that personal alchemy, which is, again, you know, something that we can even talk a little bit because we, we did a recent broadcast with, uh, reading the book, The Alchemist, and, and we oh, only yeah. got partly way through it. But I'm sure a lot yeah. of people are still just you know, even the topic of alchemy is something that they're probably still starting to get a little bit curious about. And I know there's uh, stuff related to that that we can definitely hit upon. So let's start getting into some of the topics um, and, and just to kind of like paint a, a bit of an overview uh, in terms of, again, kind of like the, the shift in consciousness. What do you perceive the shift in consciousness that is happening now as a continuation of what has always happened and you know, as some would say even happens in cycles what would you say it, it coincides with both in terms of 
not only knowledge, but also experience, because I feel like a lot of this um, is this idea of kind of awakening, uh, you know, just from the physical body from like homo sapien to homo luminous, you know, sort of thing. So like what what is that that transition to homo luminous? What does that what does that mean? So again, both in the knowledge as well as the experience, creating a little bit of a roadmap for people to kind of, you know, start start being like, oh, like maybe I'm experiencing that. Maybe I'm experiencing, you know, like energetic awareness and dreaming. And, and again, tying in your own experience, because you're saying a lot of the stuff with, with what you've learned from Gnosticism, it wasn't just book knowledge and talks and lectures. It was the experience. It was the experience that happens when you dedicate yourself to practicing chakra meditations regularly to, you know, just like practicing these meditative reflections and journaling and things like that. So, yeah, what do you feel the shift in consciousness is uh, like, what do you think it is right now in today's modern day context? And, and where do you feel it is leading us towards on a collective and individual scale? Yeah. OK, well, it's a great question. And um I feel it has a lot to do with the fact that now mod in the modern society that we're in now, everything is available to us. There are no more secrets, really. And even talking about my past from my experience with the, the Freemasons, it's a secret society. But it had to be a secret society, the Freemasons, because it's like started before like the late 1600s. And they were tossing around ideas that you couldn't toss around uh, when Europe was controlled by the church. You couldn't question the authority. But now we can say anything, we can question anything, and everything's unveiled. And that's what Samael Anvor, the founder of the modern Gnostic tradition, came to do, unveil everything. You don't need secret societies or anything. So part of the consciousness shift is that everything's available. Now on the, on the other side of that coin is the fact that we're sunken more deeply into materialism now than we have been in the past. And the idea that the world in general is becoming, and by materialism, I don't mean like wanting to buy stuff. I mean that we're putting a lot of our faith in the material world alone and not the spiritual world. So we have these two things happening. In the Gnostic sense, we're in the this age of Aquarius. And it's in this age of Aquarius that we have the Iron Age dies out and a Golden Age begins again. It takes a lot of time. But we're seeing, we're seeing both of these things now. Everything's at our fingertips, and we've taken personality worship to a whole new ungodly height, we'll say, where we're, we're so wrapped up in worshiping the individual and our personality that we've forgotten the divine. So, but, but that being said, it's sort of in the most darkness that the light starts shining the brightest, you know, and even this idea like all the darkness in the world can't, snuff out one single candle's light. And I'm saying this because there's an idea that we're actually in what's called an Iron Age, a Kali Yuga. Kali Yuga in the Sanskrit term, meaning that people have are really disconnected from the spiritual side. But now we walk our way back up. That was the whole purpose of the ego. You know, the whole purpose of the ego is sort of like, think of the baby in the mother's womb. The baby in the womb has everything it needs. It wants for nothing but it has no idea where it is, it has no idea what the mother is. So once the baby is born and separated, it can be held out and look back at the mother, then the baby can know the mother. So, you know, the, the womb was, say, the spiritual world, and then the ego and this physical, the physical creation and where we are now is the separation, and now there's the return. 
And that's what we're walking towards, and a lot of people are open to it because I think we're graduating out of the out of the out of, well, not not to be offensive out of the kindergartens of religion into the higher learning schools of spirituality. That's what I think is generally happening if we don't get lost in the whole personality worship trap. Say, yeah. <laughs> I love I love that that visual again of just yeah being able to separate ourselves so that we can see more of ourselves it's yeah very very easy way of being able to understand it and so um, again just continuation within that topic uh, what are some of the things that again kind of uh, tell us a little bit more about this idea of like homo luminous because because that was a term that you brought up in, in one of your lectures and it correlates to also like the multiple bodies that, that we have. So again, kind of from this idea that, you know, a lot of this esoteric knowledge is also almost like an esoteric, like science in, in a way, depending on who you're asking, because, you know, a lot of this stuff can be studied from direct experience. Um, so yeah, kind of maybe tell us a little bit about the different bodies that, that we have yeah. and, and even how this starts to relate to lucid dreaming, to the chakras and, and again, to the term homo luminous, if, sure. if you want to add into that. Yeah. I can, I can definitely talk to the bodies. Homo luminous, I'm not so familiar with. I think, I think I probably got that from somebody else. That's, yeah. that's why. Okay, so, but, it's but. Nice, it's a nice term, though. But yeah, I, I think, you, do you kind of understand where I'm going with that? Just I, kind of like I, that. I get it. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind yeah. of works. <laughs> yeah. So for, for, for the bodies, for, say, for us looking at it, we can say very practically we have four. So first body we have is the physical body, which is the most obvious, of course. It's easy for us sitting in the chair watching the computer to know we have a physical body. The second body... Hold on, folks. We're just going to do a quick reset of the call here with Phil. Uh, body this... that we look oh, at wait, and no, practically understand good. is... Uh, of... Sorry, yeah, it, just, yeah. it just froze Vitalizing for a second. principle of the... Yeah, but we're going to be okay. We're good. Yeah. Go, go ahead, go, ahead to, go back two sentences there, <laughs> if you don't mind. I'll go back. To, yeah, so I'm saying the physical body is easy to see. The second body is the etheric body, which is really the vitalizing principle of the physical body. All these processes that are happening in your body right now. You know, we've got firing synapses, we've got metabolism, we've got respiration, all of this stuff that you don't have to think about doing. This physical body would be a hunk of meat without the etheric body keeping it alive. The third body we call the astral body, and this is where we'll get into astral projection and that kind of thing. But it's really our body of we can say desires or instincts, emotions. If you didn't have an astral body right now, you'd be very, I don't know, Dr. Spockish, I guess, like a, like a robot. You wouldn't have any feelings. And then the, the other body we have would be called the mental body, the power of our thoughts and the intellect. And so, just like our physical body has organs and endocrine glands, the astral body, being an energetic body, doesn't have organs. It has energy centers and we call those centers chakras and that's really where where this whole thing comes together between the astral body and the physical body the organs of the astral body are the chakras now the problem we have is consciousness because if we're going to segue into something like astral projection that is something like what i explained before physically coming out of your body that's hard to say physically. So in the astral, you're coming out of the physical body, and you're now in the astral body. And that was this out-of-body experience that I had when I was younger. <clears throat> but the problem is, and it's not a problem, we do this every single time we sleep. It's so natural that the 
the astral body separates from the physical body. It does it for a couple of reasons. But one of the main reasons is our emotions and our thoughts play a big factor in the health of our physical body. And the way we feel and think brings on disease. Like think about someone who's depressed or something and the way that that manifests in their physical body. So at night, when the astral body separates, then the etheric bodies like finally get a chance to fix this thing, the physical body. But because of the ego, what we're doing is we're just sort of projecting all of our fantasies, wishes, and desires, and it's all jumbled and garbled, and we bring it back when we wake up in, in the morning, and we call it a dream. And I had a dream. A lot of times they're incoherent. A lot of times they're, they're not there. It's just blackness. And a lot of times they're, they're short and random. And this is because... We're not experiencing objectively this astral projection. We're experiencing it subjectively. So when you break through that veil, when you break through that veil of the subjective into the objective, and you see, like it, it first of all, blew me away when it happened for me because now all of a sudden I have to contend with the plain fact in, the, in my face that there's another level to reality that I have to start working with, and that would be this astral plane. But the, the whole the whole secret, say, to working with that is meditation and working on the ego and quieting the mind. Because if the mind can stop projecting all the time, like right now, we're, our mind always has the constant chatter going through it, and we're always projecting into the future and thinking about the past, never in the present moment. And that happens when we go out of our bodies in the astral body, and then what we get are these incoherent random things we call dreams. Now, a lucid dream would be, say, I'm having a dream, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm talking to Brendan, myst, Mystic Spider-Man, all the cool names he has, and and he, you know, he's got he's got angel wings. I'm like, wait a minute, I don't remember him having angel wings. Wait, this is a dream, and once we have that, that's now lucid dreaming. Oh, I'm in a dream. That means I can do whatever I want. I can zip around. I can go flying, I could do whatever I want in the dream. So it's it's the first step to awakening to an astral projection. The problem is you're still projecting a false image onto the astral plane. It's still like you have a virtual reality helmet on, only now you're controlling the scenario. What astral projection would be is removing that virtual reality helmet. Instead of saying, wait, I'm in a dream, now I can do whatever, climb this building or, or run as fast as the flash or whatever. You say, wait, I'm having a dream. I'm in the astral plane. Calm your mind. Let the scenario fade away and see where you really are. It'll blow your mind. I'm telling you. Like I said, I'm a regular guy. There's nothing special about me. I started having these experiences from doing the practices I learned in Gnosis. And all of a sudden, there's a whole level of, the, of reality to start exploring. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and again, I remember even just like kind of getting introduced to uh, one of the first Gnostic lectures I went to and just to be able to hear people talking about it in such like straightforward context in English. And it's just like, you are a multidimensional being like get that just get that dialed in. Let's get that all on the same page here. And right. so um, I'd love to even just create a, a little bit more discussion in terms of like what you think dreams are, because I'll just kind of like give you like a little bit of a idea that I put forth for my own interpretation and my own experience and just way of trying to explain things that are sometimes a little bit hard to explain. You know, these, these, these are, you know, very like higher dimensional concepts that sometimes like get very ineffable. 
Um, one of the ways that I've often talked about dreams is, is I kind of talk about this idea and, and we alluded to it before that, you know, we came into this world of separation. We came into this physical world, meaning that prior to being in this physical world, like where, where were we? Okay. We were in like the spirit realms, quote unquote, the etheric realms. So the way how I've sort of come to understand it is that the, the dream space that we enter into every night it is not just like this localized thing that happens in our brain because neurons are firing but in actuality it again it kind of ties in with this idea that the brain is a receiver of consciousness and we are all intimately connected to like this hive mind of consciousness and it's much more like an internet and then when we go to sleep at night, our physical body is resting, but it's like our soul, our astral body is literally kind of going back to the space that we originate from or, or some other version or extension of that. So it's this idea that, you know, every night when we, when we dream, it's like we're going back home or we're going back to those higher dimensional realms. And then again, within these higher dimensional realms, these astral planes, whatever we're calling it, uh, the, it's, it's more or less the same as it is here, but there's just certain laws that are different and such as like the laws of time, the laws of like physical interaction, the laws of, you know, just like space and, and, um, the ability to be able to manifest things instantaneously. And this is where I feel the power with dream learn with studying dreaming and studying astral projection. It always led me back to this very empowering idea that, by understanding how to manifest within a lucid dream, we understand that we manifest within this reality much to the same degree, but just with different laws in place. So it's like, oh, you want to manifest a trip to the Bahamas, like you can teleport there in a dream and you can get there in this physical incarnation, but there's going to be a couple steps in between, but it can still happen. So in that sense, it's this idea that this reality that we're in right now is very much another version of a dream and in the same way people sleepwalk through their sleep state many people are kind of sleepwalking through their waking state and then it gets into this parallels of you know what it means to kind of wake up to the lucidity of of this present moment so again just kind of going back a little bit um what do you in your own words and and maybe even just you know whether uh, what I said resonates with you. What do you feel dreams are, so to speak? And then even from there, we can start to kind of branch off into um, any of like the, the practical uh, practices that people can start to bring in to experience this. Sure. So I think dreams are multifaceted and there's a lot of different levels to dreaming. So primarily, I'll, I'll give an example from my life. Like I, I once... Um, what, I used to work at an airplane factory also as an airplane mechanic, and I spent a lot of time wiring up the dashboards of these uh, personal aircraft and all day doing wiring, right? And then I come home, and we're going to hit the town. We're going to go out later, but I had to have a nap first because I'm tired. So now this is like years and years ago. So I'm lying down, having then I'm, have a nap, and then my, my wife, that's still my first wife now, she came in, it's like, hey, it's time to go. I'm like, I can't. I have to crimp all of these wires. And I'm going through the motions of crimping wires and doing all this work on aircraft in bed. And she's like, well, how long do you think you're going to be? I'm like, oh, it's going to take me at least, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, boss, and then I'll be done. It's like, okay, well, then, then get up, okay? Okay. And then after she woke me up and we went. So on one level, dreams are a repetition of what we do all day if what we're doing is unconscious. So a lot of the things that happen in our dream life are repetitions of the way we live our day life. Um, 
But dreams can be a lot more than that. Dreams can be much deeper than that. We can have like visionary dreams. For instance, I had a, a dream once also where I'm, you know, in, in the living room and I've got my dog and someone knocks on the door and I open the door. I'm like, yeah, and it's some lady. She says, is that your dog? I say, yeah, that's my dog. She says, well, what's your dog's name? And I say, I don't know. I don't know what my dog's name is. She says, well, don't, don't you think it's weird? You don't know what your dog's name is? I said, why would that be weird? Why are you asking these questions? I don't know what the dog's name is. Leave me alone. Slam the door in her face. Then wake up and realize, you know, that was something clear sign trying to tell me that I'm dreaming, giving me a huge hint. I have a dog, but I don't know its name. And then I've had other experiences where, say, I was just walking up a stairway. Then all of a sudden, I realize, wait, this is happening in a dream. I remember going to bed. This is the astral plane. And then I walk up the stairway and have these deeply meaningful interactions with other entities and beings in this beautiful room. So these are all different levels of dreaming. It all depends on our level of consciousness at the time. And when I say level of consciousness, I don't mean like I'm at this level and by next time I can go to a higher level because our, our consciousness level is, is, is a variable. It's always changing. Just like you could drive home and you're, then, you, then you get home you're like, oh man, I was totally asleep there, you know, consciously. I just on autopilot. And or we could be doing a painting or something and be have our senses super engaged. Our consciousness is always fluctuating. And the same thing in dream life. Yeah. Totally, totally. And so um yeah, yeah, just kind of again, maybe just like in a in your own words and in, in a big picture, um, what do you feel like I, I love the idea that dreams are, again, another place for us as a soul to, to be able to learn. Um, what yeah. do you feel is like the purpose of, of mm -hmm. us as multidimensional beings to be able to uh, experience experience dreams and to be able to learn from them? And, and you kind of touch upon the idea of being able to like interact with other entities within dreams. So, I mean, you get it. There's, there's this very powerful idea of being able to communicate with loved ones who have passed on within dreams or even teachers or or even archetypes and things like that mm -hmm. um so again just uh, uh, digging a little yeah. bit deeper in terms of like what do you think dreams are and as well as like what do you think the purpose of dreams are within sure. our evolution of soul or, or anything else you would like to add into that and then we'll segue into some other topics sure i would say that that the purpose is the dream world is a, a is a, an a real concrete place and it's objective it's shared. It's not, like you said, localized. The problem is that, let's say, for instance, that, that you, uh, Brendan, are awake in the astral plane. That means you've, you've, you're in a dream, and somehow you were aware it was a dream, and then you said, wait, I'm in the astral plane. And you let the dream fade from your view, and you see that you're in a large room. And let's say I'm in there also. So now you're seeing, you're like, oh, hey, there's Phil. All right, he's, he's here too. I'm going to go talk to him. But because I'm still dreaming, I appear to you like, like, like somebody who's, say, crazy or something. I'm having a conversation in my head that's going on. I'm, I'm interacting with people that aren't around because I'm internalized and I'm ego projecting on the astral plane. But if I stop that and I realize I was in a dream and I woke up in the dream and let the dream fade away, and then I say, hey, there's Brendan. What's going on, man? What are you saying? Okay, cool. We're both having this experience. And then we wake up. Then I give you a call. Hey, man, do you remember what happened? 
You're like, ah, I don't, I don't remember. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Remember this and lead you? Oh, then it starts coming back. Yes, we had a shared experience. And having a shared experience is profoundly meaningful and for me was profoundly deep because it showed that it wasn't happening inside my head. It was happening in a shared space. And it's and so the dream world to me is one rung higher in the ladder towards divinity, towards complete subtleness, spirituality. And this is one rung lower because we're more gross, more dense. And so the purpose of dreaming is to wake up from the dream and start interacting consciously throughout the dream world like we would start waking up consciously throughout the living or physical world. Totally. Yeah. And again, you know, I, I, I'm fascinated by that idea that so many people in today's day and age, they've, they've, I've talked about this before in other broadcasts, but it's almost as if they've had their dreams hijacked from them. You know, there, there's so many things in today's day and age that are just kind of distracting us from thinking that dreams are worth our attention. Or again, you know, we're waking up first thing in the morning and we're looking at our phone instead of incubating them. We're not journaling. We're not developing that brain, re the memory recall practices. Whereas imagine like how powerful that is where every night you can consciously dream and you're learning and you're exploring. And again, the, the idea that within dreams, you, you hear about different people talking about them where they're experiencing, you know, like parallel lifetimes. So they're they're going to other planets, they're communicating with other beings. And and even the idea that, you know, what we think of as like uh, contact with extraterrestrial entities or multidimensional entities is something that can be facilitated within the dream space. And this is sort of something that's becoming like actually more talked about, but I feel it in itself is actually like incredibly old, incredibly ancient. Yeah. This, this idea that, you know, throughout all of history of humankind, we have always been in contact with other entities, other teachers who have been reaching out to us within our dreams. And so understanding our role as students, it really inspires us to be able to like show up so that we can be present for the teachings that are coming through to us within our dreams and understanding that these dreams are going to be able to help give us like foresight going to give us like you know it, it more insight into our own identity help see help us make choices on who we want to be all sorts of things so um yeah i mean again we could literally just talk all the all day long just about dreams and everything like that um i'm just kind of curious just uh in, in, from your personal experience um how like how many lucid dreams do you say you've probably had in your lifetime so far in a rough estimate mm. rough estimate is difficult and I would, I would count astral projection as being beyond lucid dreaming and the astral experiences i'd say at least there'd be at least 10 meaningful ones a year like deep meaningful ones but more than that depending on how much work i put in i could have three or four a week sometimes and then go for a week without depending on depending on if I'm doing my 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 work or not so I've had multiple multiple experiences some of them were far more lasting and far more important some of them were just sort of wake up in the astral plane and become an astral tourist you know and just zip around and check the place out then you wake up and you feel like you have a, a missed opportunity there but but I've multiple multiple enough enough for me to know that this is absolutely real and people have told me, you know, it's just a dream. You're just dreaming or something. I say, okay, believe what you want. But when you experience for yourself, it can't be taken away. So so multiple times, and that's stemming from someone who wasn't spiritual at all before mm -hmm. the teachings, I'd say. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. So I do want to get into uh, just from from your own teachings of, uh, you know, within the Gnostic teachings, what are some practical things that people can keep in mind to help them develop more relationship with their dream practices so that they can start awakening to these experiences for themselves. Um, but I did just want to see if we can also take a swing at clarifying, because I know a lot of people when they put lucid dreaming and astral projection next to each other it's a hard it can be hard to kind of distinguish what's what and i think in today's day and age because of the fact that there's so much information out there sometimes different people are explaining them differently and there doesn't seem to be like one solid definition on what astral projection is and, and even for myself like I, I think it kind of changes depending on you know what was the last thing i was listening to um but from the gnostic teachings how would you differentiate astral projection in relationship to lucid dreaming yeah, I would say that lucid dreaming is consciously controlling a dream, but a dream in itself is subjective. It's not exactly real. You're, you're, you're inventing it through your mind. Uh, so you could have a random dream, a subconscious dream, where you're in a room with a pink elephant and Abraham Lincoln and you're having a tea party. And then all of a sudden, be like, wait a minute, this is a dream. That means, you know, I could be Superman and I could fly from here to New York City. Then you go do that. But still... You're still inside the dream when you're doing that. It's like it would be like you're still inside the matrix, Neil. Like you're inside the. But once you once you have the astral experience, you say, "Wait a minute, this is a dream. Where am I?" And then you calm your mind. You stop projecting, and you see objectively where you are. And that's going to be somewhere different than where your dream actually was. So I've had many times, like, let's say I'm having a dream that I'm that I'm, I don't know, I'm in Egypt looking at the Sphinx. And then I say, wait a minute, this is a dream. I've never been to Egypt. And then calm my mind. And then the dream image fades away. And I'm in my bedroom. But standing up in the astral plane, the astral version of my bedroom. And from there, go and experience what's actually there. And that would be the astral projection. Now, the, the more advanced astral projection would be to sit down and consciously leave your physical body in your, ast in your astral body. But that's quite advanced, you see. So the reason that dreams are so important is because they're the doorway into an astral experience without having to have the willpower to consciously project your astral body and stay alert the whole time. It's the easiest way in. So for me, lucid dreaming is a part of dreaming and astral projection is awakening your consciousness in the astral plane. Perfect. Yeah. And, and even just hearing you talk about that does just help me kind of get a little bit more clarity on, on it for myself. And so, um, again, you know, so just from that perspective, like, it's like, this physical plane right now is the physical plane, but then there's like the astral version of this plane which still has its own objective truth to it. So like astral projection would be literally going to the pyramids of Egypt and like seeing objective truth as to like what is there in that location. But at the same time, and and, and this is just setting it up for uh, a little bit more clarity if you're able to provide it, uh, astral projection doesn't limit itself to this planet alone so like can we literally astral project to like another planet like is is astral projection astral projection is still something where you can literally like use the dynamics of lucid dreaming to teleport quote unquote so um and, and then even at that point it's like it, it 
yeah, it, it really comes down to the awareness of the individual to be able to determine like, okay, am I really in like, you know, on another planet or am I on the astral plane of this other planet? Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Can you literally go to like another planet or, or even some, I mean, does it have to be on a planet? Are, are there parts of the astral plane that are, that are not uh, correlated to an actual physical location? I guess would be another curious question of my sure. own. Sure, sure. Yeah, I would say definitely you can literally go to another planet in our solar system, uh, literally being in your astral body in the astral plane. Those are intimately connected. Like, for instance, we have a physical body, and the physical body acts as our vehicle to interact with the physical plane. So the astral body and the astral plane, because like the astral body is the vehicle for the astral plane. And like you said, movement is related to will in the astral plane. There's different laws. So as soon as we start thinking movement has to do with muscles, then we start having dreams where we can't run. We're trying to run, but we can't, which is very common because we're asleep and we're trying to move our legs that are asleep in the bed. So it's by will. If we want to go to another planet, then we will ourselves. Let's say we go to the planet Mars. Will ourselves to the planet Mars, see ourselves either transported there at high speeds or appear there because we're moving by will. And we can then interact with the astral entities, beings, and other people that are there on that planet itself. And do that for anywhere in the solar system, for sure. For sure, for sure. And, and so and and so are there locations within the astral plane that do not coincide to a physical plane sort of thing? Like, are there literally, quote unquote, because this is, again, an idea we've explored before, but like, are there, quote unquote, like astral cities that aren't actually like a physical place, but there's still actually like people living in the, it's at, like, can, can, can beings literally exist 24 seven, quote unquote, relative to their own perception of time in an astral plane? And are there physical like cities and communities in the astral plane? Yeah, absolutely. And there's beings that they're say their lowest body is their astral body. They don't have a physical body. So there's more beings in the astral plane. Like you don't have to have a physical existence to exist in that higher spiritual dimension. And there are, even if you're in the astral plane of our own city of London, there's places that exist in the astral that don't exist here in the physical, for sure. And that even being said, <clears throat> excuse me, there's different levels of the astral plane. There's a higher levels, there's levels where there's more light and light beings, and there's darker levels, levels where there's more negative entities, negative beings, just like any city say you have your nice area of town you have your not so nice area of town similar in the astral plane and there's entities on both sides of the scale for sure <clears throat> but but yeah definitely in the astral plane and part of waking up is noticing that oh i'm in my house but wait a minute my house doesn't look like this or probably we all have experiences with dreams and things like that where we're in familiar places but they don't exist to us in the physical world like you're in that high school again or you're in that hospital again or you're in that mall, but then you wake up and you're like, I'm so familiar to be there, but I've never doesn't exist here in the physical world. So there are there are differences for sure. Yeah, and and yeah, and this is I, I love I love this conversation because it is just kind of even for myself like shifting a little bit of my paradigm. Um, and and so I mean like even with the idea of again you know like a community existing within the astral plane though like would there be like would they grow food would they build houses would everything be will would they even need to eat sort of thing and, and and i guess like part of this also leads me into my understanding of why 
a soul would actually want to come into the physical incarnation. Because from my understanding, like the astral realms, as, as beautiful and magnificent as it is, there's actually certain things that you can't really experience um, that you can experience in, in this physical realm. Like that, that's kind of my understanding is that within the astral realm, it's like, you know, you're playing like a video game with like God mode on and you can kind of like manifest anything you want relative to your will in that cer certain situation. But you can't like fully, you know, like embrace a loved one in the same way or you can't like have a, a relationship that spans over a narrative story story in a chronological order. Like or or again, I guess that just kind of brings up my own idea is that they're my own my own uh, just another idea of like, does the astral plane have its own perception of correlating time? Like, mm -hmm. do, do they perceive a linear time that's relative to the astral? Uh, and again, I know I'm, I don't know if you have answers for these questions, but I, I so, just love putting them putting them yeah. into the, the thought bubble. So, yeah. So for the time question, I say, yes, the astral plane does. But time is a series of events and not chronological A, B, linear seconds, minutes, hours. It's like, for instance, the way you can really tell you've had an astral experience as opposed to a lucid dream is this long it's a it's a long scenario that plays out over a long span of time just like here in the in the physical world only the sense of time isn't limited by like i said seconds minutes hours it's it's events but but it's a long continuous conscious experience whereas dreams are fragmented and so yeah i would say that the, t the time is related to that and that these the spiritual being i, I lost track of some of the questions there was a lot going on there um, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no problem. But, but definitely, and and that, and that. Oh yes, the the manifestation. The thing the thing is with physical manifestation, we can have sensorial experiences, and that's what's the most desirous about the physical body. We can experience the senses, the food, the drink, the wine, the smell of the summer breeze. These sort of things. Now these things become actually highly highly addictive and they become the fundamental basis of what we call the ego the ego wants to relive this the, the um, sensorial experiences over and over and over again so for instance I use the example of smoking I'm not particularly pro or anti-smoking I don't smoke this is not like a public service announcement but the but the idea is like look at smoking so if you have a cigarette and then you smoke a cigarette and let's say it's the most satisfying cigarette you've ever smoked You've never smoked a more satisfying cigarette in your life. And then you're finished. So what? You never want another cigarette again, right? Wrong. You want another one. And then you want another. And then you want more. And then you want more. And then you want to repeat, 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 repeat. We call this the law of recurrence. And the law of recurrence is the basis of the ego. We want to keep repeating these sensations. It's really big in Buddhism also, the idea that you want the strawberry all the way up until the point that it touches your lips. And then you want another strawberry. That, the, that this is essentially what the ego and that that wanting that experience in itself which isn't bad but we get trapped in that that creates this wheel of samsara this death birth return 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 back to the physical world because we're craving these experiences more than we've forgotten about the higher spiritual experiences that we could be having so just just to clarify uh within the astral realms like you, how are the senses different because i mean I, I i know you hear people talking about like within the astral realms they could still like eat a eat a delicious cake or or something like that do you have any insight on that as to how the experiences are different in the astral realm and 
you know how yeah. they might be even like heightened in their own way or yeah certainly like for for instance let's just give a simple example i i once tested the wall in the astral plane to see what is the, really the deal and i put my hand in the wall and then put my hand through the wall and pulled it out and you can walk through walls in the astral plane so i'm trying to figure this thing out so i put my hand against really slowly and i can f like feel and be able to count and know intimately every atom of my hand and i start to feel the molecules or atoms of the wall bouncing off against my hand and moving out of the way as i push my hand through so this was a, an extremely heightened experience to be able to feel every atom of your hand first and then as it's moving through the wall feel every molecule and atom of the of the wall start to part and move ways so this was a very amazing experience one of the other really deep experiences i had at one time was feeling these energetic channels within my body, which would be my astral body, like sitting in meditation and feeling the energy running through my body up these two Ida Pingala channel, channels and the Shashumna, the central channel where the, the Kundalini would rise, and then feeling the energy flowing out like a nervous system throughout my entire astral body, but being absolutely aware of every inch of it at once. And so these, this was a very heightened experience. Then you can imagine what that could mean for other things, I guess, other experiences. Right, right, right. Um, maybe just one more question, and then there's a question here in the chat. Um, and, and again, I just, I really appreciate you being able to hold space for these curiosities related to the astral dimension, because again, it's not, there's not a lot of people who, who have like, a, you know, the... Uh, just a, a degree of awareness related to this topic. So um, one of the things I was just going to ask, and, and again, I, whether you have an answer for this or not, it's totally cool. Do you know, like, can beings literally be born and die within the astral plane? Does it kind of work that way? Or do they just kind of like move into it from another place? I mean, do you, do, any thoughts yeah. on how that works? Can someone be born yeah. in the astral realm? It's a, it's a great question. I imagine... They could, because when I'm talking about entities and beings, I'm talking about things that resemble us only in the most superficial um, appearances and different types of beings of light and energy. So whether or not they're born in there or not, or if birth is different for them than in the physical, I'm, I imagine it's quite, quite different, except for the fundamental similarities, that it would take the two polarities to create a new physical body or astral body, you know, take the masculine and the feminine just like it does here on earth to create a body. So those two energies combined, I'm, I'm sure there's, and I'm, I'm, I'm also speculating a bit because I've never put this question forward to any entity that I've encountered or, or thought about it in the astral plane. Um, but I imagine so. I imagine so. There's all kinds of humanities that, that will blow our minds when we start to interact with them. Totally. And, and yeah, and, and again, I think there's just like some things that might even just be, you know, a little bit beyond what we're even capable of understanding from oh, this absolutely. current perspective of where we are. So mm -hmm. there's a question here from uh, Arita in the live chat. Thank you so much, Arita, for, for being here and for joining in. And for anybody else who uh, might have a question for Phil within now and the end of the broadcast, please feel free to leave those in the live chat on YouTube as well. And she asks, um, when we're talking about the astral, do, do these include realms of people who have passed uh, angels and spirit guides. And so I know we've kind of hit upon that, but if you just have a direct response to that for Arita, would that be okay? Yeah, of course. The direct response I'd have is yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The people who have passed are there and also higher spiritual beings we would call angels. So I, I'll talk from my own experience. I once I had an experience 
where I was just wandering around in front of my house. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm in a dream. This is the astral plane. Let's see where I am. And then I'm, I see that I'm in the astral plane objectively now. And, you know, it is difficult because you can fall into objective and subjective and objective and subjective. You can fall in and out of lucidity with consciousness. But I was, I was, I was aware. I was conscious. And then there was my grandfather, my grandfather who had passed. Now, he was not aware of where he was. And this was a very actually disturbing and difficult experience for me because I went up to this individual, started to speak to him, telling him this is the, this is the astral plane, actually, you, you died, you got to you know, wake up, pops, it's good to see you, wake up. Didn't know who I was, didn't know anything, where I was, where he was. And it was like trying to talk sense into someone whose mind was gone because he was wrapped up in his own fantasy and projection within the astral plane. That's not to say that's going to be every case, but generally when I'm teaching people, and, and when I say I'm teaching, it means I'm teaching them the teachings of Samael and Vor. These are not my teachings. When I'm passing on the teachings to people, I suggest to maybe stay away from trying that at first because it can be more than we've bargained for to see a loved one that's passed but then not really be able to interact with them because they're still in this place in between birth and death but not aware of where they are, just waiting to sort of reincarnate into another body. But definitely angels also. I've talked to spiritual beings before, but but it's a lot more, if you start doing it on the, on the deep personal level, you'll see that everything that you can begin to find out is for you. So for me, I would never go to the astral plane and be like, give me some great message from like Jesus so I can tell the world. That's egoic. That's the problem. And you could be easily swayed. Or ch What you really have to find out is go, go to the astral plane and say, what do I need to change most in my life right now? What do I need to work on? And you can see tangibly what it is and start working on it. The change is within. The change is the individual. Well, it's fascinating to, to hear that experience about, about um, meeting the relatives in, in the astral realm as well. And, and actually, maybe just if we can hit upon that, um, I know, um, again, one of the things that I'm fascinated about, uh, as talked about within like the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and, and to my understanding, it also is like, again, like one of the fundamentals of uh, the Gnostic teachings is this idea that, you know, we're literally moving through this lifetime with the intention to prepare our consciousness for that moment of death uh much to kind of uh, again what our friend wolfgang was talking about like that was kind of he's like okay you know like i i'm, I'm so comfortable with this because this is actually like all of my practice has kind of been up to this moment to be able to literally move into death much as we would like move into a waking dream um and then i guess like what what do you feel is kind of uh, in, in from the teachings like again it, it's I guess it, from my understanding it's part of it's part of this intention to move consciously into the space of death to kind of I guess break out of that wheel of samsara uh, in, in some way or another uh, just yeah any any expansion on that concept would be wonderful yeah for sure and within the Gnostic teachings set out by Samuel Anvor it says that fundamentally the practice of astral projection is the preparation for death so that if we can remain conscious and aware during our dream state, that's the state of consciousness you can expect to uh, inhabit when you pass on. And the idea of becoming conscious and, and lucid in that state is so that when you die, you can continue working on your own spiritual evolution instead of falling, in, falling into the trap of, of internalized subjective sleep 
and then just waiting around until you till you become reincorporated into another physical body, you continue spiritual evolution. Because in this perspective, evolution of itself will not make people spiritually advanced, which is a difficult part for a lot of people in the Gnostic teachings. You can't just hang on to the wave of evolution and assume that evolution in nature is going to bring us all to enlightenment, because it won't. The individual work that we do has to. And that's why astral projection is important, so that when we die, we can remain awake in the astral plane and continue working on ourselves, climbing that ladder of spiritual evolution. So what do you feel, um, based on, on that narrative, what do you feel like happens to the soul after it dies, but with a conscious awareness? Like where where could it, it, it go from there? Does it go to other dimensions or does it have the possibility to consciously reincarnate back on earth again i mean is there a choice is it decided for them any any insights on this again i know these are big questions so big questions but, but <laughs> it's what we study also yeah, so yeah. yes yeah if, I, if not from experience i could at least theoretically take mm -hmm. a whack at some of them <laughs> but 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 certainly that uh the, the soul when it dies and it's interesting in gnosis because we don't yet possess the soul we have, we have a fraction of it we call the essence, smaller, and we have to elaborate that through alchemical practices, through the whole allegory of alchemy into the soul. But what we can continue to do is free essence from ego. So ego, if we look at it as our subconscious, we can look at the ego as many sort of little individuals living in our mind, although this is extremely simplified, so they'll, they'll get freaked out by it. Many individuals living in our mind, and within each one of them, is like a little coin of gold. And if we can get rid of the, the coal, then we get the gold. That's raising the consciousness. So eliminating the ego, the death of the ego, is the, the number one factor in Gnosis. And we can continue to do that in the astral plane, work on ourselves, work on our ego in the astral plane after we die, and that would continue our spiritual evolution. So like Gnosis in general, when we say that I practice Gnosis, it's not to be vague, it's three, three things specifically. The death of the ego, the birth of the solar bodies or higher spiritual bodies, which we don't quite possess yet, and sacrifice for humanity to help everybody in humanity to reach spiritual teaching so that they can experience it for themselves. Those are the three mm -hmm. things that make Gnosis. And then when we study all the cultures and religions and world uh, views, we're looking at how they explain the three factors, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I and I love that idea of being able to again, you know, refer to it as sacrifice or, or something. I mean, sacrifice isn't might not always be the most applicable word, but but it is. It's 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 giving yourself in service to to others, which I feel is such mm -hmm. a such an important cornerstone for for any spiritual practice, and especially you know in today and age for us to be reminded of. Because I think sometimes uh, for some people, it can be very easy for them to approach spirituality from kind of like an unconscious egotistical perspective where where they're like, oh, I, 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 I'm really, really excited to be able to like develop my spirituality so that I can lose a dream and, you know, like fly race cars or something like that and have all sorts <laughs> yeah. of fun experiences. Um, but again, you know, it's 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 I feel even in that case, there's kind of like this higher wisdom that only gives us what we're ready to receive. And a lot of what we are ready to receive will be based on like our own humility sort of thing. That's one thing that I've always kind of interpreted with the dreams is that yeah. there seems to be like this curator 
of our dreams. There's like a higher consciousness and there's like a, you know, almost like a, like I think of like Morpheus in terms of like the guardian of the threshold that will kind of like judge us and be like, if this person's showing up and their heart isn't in the right place, then we won't give them the 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 full you know the full landscape of beauty that is potentially there for them to be able to receive we'll just give them a little a little snippet so it's like in order for you to be able to walk into the gates of heaven as just a general metaphor it's like you have to kind of do it like with a humble heart and and until then like those doors will be kind of closed to you so do do you feel that um not only being in service and helping other people is, is just like a great a great example to be able to encourage people into but do you feel there's also like kind of like a a a, a scientific or a practical aspect in terms of how our humility actually allows us to be able to receive more of kind of like this higher wisdom understanding that there's kind of like a higher intelligence that's like giving us what we're ready to receive and humility allows us to receive it a little bit more absolutely yeah absolutely i think you said it beautifully and gnosis there's an idea of the we call them the occult faculties or powers, like, say, clairvoyance, clairaudience, uh, telepathy, all of these things that are really enticing for people. But in Gnosis, the, the idea is for every one step we take towards developing these occult faculties, you have to take a thousand steps towards sanctity. Sanctity meaning purifying ourselves, becoming more humble. And if you look at what sacrifice is, it's really putting someone else before yourself. And that's the the number one way to start fighting against your ego because the ego is me first me i myself so to sacrifice and, and put someone else first or to like you're saying like give teachings or, or help people on the path for sure you're against the ego and i also firmly believe that cosmic intelligences and these beings are weighing the merits of our heart and we like you said we will learn what we're ready for but if we don't have humility we're not going to be ready for learning much at all even Samael Anvor who was this man who went through this whole scientific process that we lay out for reaching enlightenment says that to reach enlightenment you have to be humble and when you attain enlightenment you have to be more humble yet and that that's the sign of any true enlightened person it's not the the, the tell, shouting on the streets how you're an awakened master or whatever wearing up the guru robes or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, I, I like how um, Samuel Envoir uses a term, I believe it's cosmic citizen, uh, is oh, a term yeah. that I've I've come across in, in some of the, the dream yoga books uh, that I've read through and everything like that. And, and again, like, what does it mean to be a cosmic citizen? Cosmic citizen means to kind of like be in your own place of accountability while also being in that place of service, while being a humble student. Mm-hmm. And, and through there, again, it's like that's, that humility is really like the key that helps open this up to more. And, and again, and I think it's um, going back to the idea of, uh, and, and I do want to hit upon just some quick practical tips related to the lucid dreaming, but I did want to be able to set up um, a little bit more about uh, the extra faculties that, that we're starting to awaken into. And this is kind of what I was talking about before this idea that, you know, uh, homo luminous uh, from my way of kind of approaching it is this idea of, you know, moving beyond just the physical, becoming more in tune with our energetic body. <clears throat> and part of the ways how I've explained this is is very simply put, I, I explained to people that the chakras are very much 
um, like multidimensional organs that receive information from beyond the present moment. So in that sense, like that's where like the the intuition that we feel within like our solar chakra and our heart is literally data from the future kind of like coming into us and the visions that we can get through, you know, like our third eye visions or, or the inspiration to kind of like say something that we would never have thought we would have said before in a place of like courage and empowerment can kind of be like this idea of like the information's kind of coming into us. And then when we're in this place of, of really being centered within our chakras, again, understanding that the practice with the chakras is to balance the chakras, not necessarily to blow them wide open or to keep them really closed, but it's finding that balance point. Um, it moves us into this place where we're just able to receive like an additional ability to navigate this world with more grace, with more ease, and also so that we can show up in more service, you know, so that we're constantly in this place of inspiration and really feeling connection and really being able to listen to our, our physical body, to our chakra, being able to listen to what we need, being able to notice like when we're feeling like a little off and everything. Um, again, we can talk a little bit more about that um, if you do have a direct response to that, but I did just kind of want to tie up the, the lucid dreaming and the astral projection um, topics um, and, and then allowing that to kind of segue us into the chakras and then we'll, we'll get close to wrapping up the broadcast there. Uh, but, but yeah, just because I know, again, like the, the idea that working with the chakras is also working with our energetic body, which is also like helping us get more in tune with our, our dream body, our dream practices. So it does go hand in hand. But yeah, um, before we dive too deep into that, any just real quick, just from your own uh, teachings within the Gnostics teachings, what are some practical tips for people to take away to help them uh, begin practicing, you know, more with their dream practices? Sure. Practical step one, you have to get a dream journal and you have to write in it every morning. So writing in your dream journal every morning is indispensable, even if you're writing something like no recall. This morning, no recall, can't remember. Then you start writing, oh, I remember something, the, the vagaries. Write everything down and do it as soon as you wake up. And once you, once you have the dream journal practice down, then you can start to go over your dream journal after a couple months and you'll see reoccurring themes. And then it's really important to pick out and to know what those reoccurring themes are. Let's say you're always in your grandmother's basement in four dreams in two months, you're in your grandmother's basement, then you know that the next time you're in your grandmother's basement, you better ask yourself, am I awake or am I asleep? Is this the physical world? Is this the astral world? And then on that note, we have awareness practices. And one of the most important is called the key of Saul, S-O-L. S means subject. You are the subject. O means object. Object is what it is whatever is in is before you. It's whatever you're looking at. And L is location. Subject, object, location. So I'm the subject. The problem is we always forget. And we get identified with what's happening in the world and we forget that we're a witness to it and that we're a point of consciousness, a reference. So remember the subject. Look very critically and openly at what is the object. Right now I'm looking at a computer screen with Brendan's face on it. And my location. Where am I? Where am I? Am I dreaming? We rarely or never, like think, how many times today did you ask, is this a dream or not? And if we can make a habit of asking ourselves, am I dreaming? And then, then when we dream, we're going to repeat that. 
and pretty soon we're going to figure out we are. Another very practical one I'll, I'll give is the idea of you can you can jump, say. So you can say, wait, where am I, physical or astral? Then you give a little jump. And if you don't float, you're in the physical. If you do float, you're in the astral. Now it seems kind of, it could seem dumb to us to, why would I ask myself if I'm dreaming or not? I know I'm awake right now. Why would I ask myself? Well, think about all the ridiculous dreams you had that you never questioned. You just went with it in your dream. Oh, yeah, I'm sitting here having the tea party with Abraham Lincoln and a pink elephant, and in my mind, this is perfectly normal. If I was more aware, say, subject, where am I? Oh, I'm at a tea party with Abraham Lincoln and a pink elephant. What is the object? Well, I'm looking at the pink elephant location. Where am I? Wait a minute. Pink elephant, Abraham Lincoln. I'm in the astral plane. So these are some very practical ones, the key of soul, subject, object, location, and the dream journal, coupled with, in the morning, a retrospective, think about, retrospective exercise. Think about the dream. Walk backwards through it in your mind and then write it down. And all of that will start to heighten your dreams and will bring you the, what we call the initiator element, the key that will keep that will be like the glaring, obvious key that you're dreaming. Whatever it's going to be, it will appear in your dream journal. And then pretty soon you'll be looking for that all the time. And when you see it, you're in a dream. And when you're in a dream, you're in the astral plane. And when you're in the astral plane, get after it and know yourself. Right, right. Yeah, and, that, and I guess that would be like kind of the next step. It's like, okay, if we're aware that we're in a dream and we're lucid in a dream, like what would be some things that we might want to do? What might be some questions we might want to ask or any any other expansions on that sure there's a universal principle in all religions or, or legends and most of them will say we call the the divine mother so in christianity you can think of the the mary figure in uh you know hinduism you can think of the shakti figure you can the divine mother is a part of our own consciousness and everyone has their own individual divine mother now, it's kind of complicated, but I'll throw it out there anyways. She's a reflection of your actual kundalini, your actual consciousness that's, that's latent within you, that you're going to be working at waking up once you join the Gnostic teachings. And so you call your Divine Mother. You say, Divine Mother, what do I need to see? Where do I need to go? Show me what I need to know. And if you do that, you will you'll, will not be led astray. Because if you don't, you're thinking for yourself, okay, um, I think I need to be more... Uh, I need to speak my truth more. Now show me how to speak my truth more. Well, how do you know that's what you need? That's what you want. That could be the ego saying. Or or like, give me a message from, like I said, Jesus so I can tell the world. That could also be egoic because maybe we have a huge amount of pride and we want to be like the next coming of Jesus or something. So the best thing to do is to invoke, beg, pray, ask your Divine Mother to show you what you need to see and take you where you need to go and let the journey unfold in front of your eyes. It's very powerful. I love I love that idea. Again, it's just kind of like this like built in navigation system within our multidimensional existence. So yeah, and then again, you know, like that's even something that perhaps we could even evoke that same question within our waking state and, and allow ourselves to connect to like the wisdom coming through uh, simply by asking ourselves that, uh, knowing that like we're still kind of connected with that divine mother intelligence here and now and and even just again working with our chakras might allow us to be more in tune with that on a waking state 
And one of the things I was just going to um, add into what you were talking about with the dream practices related to jumping, uh, as an example, one thing that I've always just kind of like tied in with that idea is that when we're telling people to practice jumping within their waking state, um, again, like it's not just about literally like jump and check whether or not you're floating. It's also to add in the subtle element of jumping with the intention, with the will to float. Because like if you're jumping to check if you're going to fall down, you could repeat that same process within the dream and you might not float because you're actually expecting that you won't. So it's again, it's it's that jumping with the will to float, which is again, very much like the Peter Pan story that we hear. If you think you can fly, you can fly. So it's like when you jump, it's okay. like practice projecting your will into the process of floating sort of thing. Does that make sense, Phil? Okay. Would that be applicable? Absolutely. And to say like, if you're going to be jumping, don't do it mechanically. Like for example, I've had an experience where I was in in my bedroom, and I'm like, wait, I think I'm in the astral plane because I remember going to sleep. And then I went to jump through the wall, and I hit the wall, and I slid down the wall, right. and I got up, and I was like, oh, it must not be the astral plane, but I wasn't hurt. And then I wake up, and I'm looking at my ceiling. So I, I, did, I was in the astral plane. I did practice the jump. I did it mechanically. I was expecting not to go through the wall. I didn't go through it because I wasn't consciously aware enough, but I was in the astral plane. So everything you said, 100% right. You have to either do it with the intention, like you said, Brendan, or you have to do it very consciously aware. Your mind's totally on the practice and you're focusing on what you're doing at that point in the present moment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's, yeah, and I've had that, I've had that experience too, or, or you like go to walk through a wall and you'll get like stuck halfway through it. And you're just like, oh, my will's like kind of between two worlds right now. And it's just like, oh, geez. Right. <laughs> and then you just wake up and you're just like, oh, I'll try again next time or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I had this experience now that we're on that topic where I was like, I, I felt the unfoldment process. And that's when you actually feel your astral body coming out of your physical body. But I got stuck at my hips and I'm like trying to push myself out and I'm trying to pull and I couldn't get out. And I'm like, oh, I guess I just lie back down went back in my body and my eyes are awake and I'm back in my physical body being like, yeah, I guess we'll try again next time. You know? right. It's just because of my level of consciousness. I wasn't so aware. I was doing it half mechanically, I think. Right. You know? and, and that's something that, that comes with practice. And, and again, and, and, and just going back to, again, like kind of the, the idea with the, the key of soul um, subject object location, and just for everybody listening again, the practicality of that is also just to develop a habit of curiosity you know, in, in that, and just like get like really just like aware of everything to the best of your ability, you know, like you're walking through a forest, go up and like feel the tree leaves, like look at your fingers, like pay attention to the texture of water when you wash your hands, like these, just this, 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 this intentional degree of awareness in any moment within your waking state just brings that curiosity so that when you're dreaming, if, if, if it's, if it's a habit at that point, then that's when you'll start to, again, kind of like realize the nuances that could potentially become like initiator elements for you to become a little bit more aware. So, right. yeah. And then on the flip side, what's really interesting about, interesting about that, you're practicing your awareness practices so that you can astral project. But then what really actually ends up happening is as your awareness increases, your astral project, but you're also consciously aware in the waking life. And then you see how unaware we really are and that we're sleepwalking through most of our life mm -hmm. in fantasy and daydream and desire and all these things. So it's, it's, a, it's a much broader practice than just for, say, astral projection. It's the road to enlightenment, we'll say. 
Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's that's basically the idea. It's not just to wake up within our dreams. It's to wake up within our waking life, to wake up within our life in, in general. So, yeah, it's absolutely it goes side it's parallel to each other. And um, yeah, and, and so again, you know, for everybody listening to this, really just, you know, taking taking notes here and, and, and inspiring you and encouraging you to continue practicing your dream practices. And um, one thing, and again, I know where we time is kind of unfolding here, and we're going to get close to the top of the hour. So I want to be able to honor the fact that we'll have to wrap it up soon. Um, one, uh, just in terms of like, Fall, uh, falling asleep at night one thing that I've kind of uh, been instructed to do is um, as you're falling asleep at night when you're in this process of just like begin your mind's falling as <clears throat> your body's falling asleep but your mind's staying awake um, one of the practices is to almost like imagine uh, there's like a rope above your body and you're like grabbing onto this rope and you're kind of like pulling this rope, which is again, kind of what you were saying. It like sits you up within your astral body um, while also becoming aware of the, the what you were saying earlier, that physical notable sensation of like that shift of like feeling your astral body begin to move. I'm just curious if there's a little bit more insight that, that you can give just to give people a little bit more context. So when they're falling asleep and suddenly they feel these, you know, if they're going to sleep with awareness, you'll feel this, you'll feel like they're like, sometimes there's like loud ringing that happens. There's vibrations that happen. There's a sensation of lightness and movement. Sometimes it's inwards, sometimes it's outwards. Um, a little bit more instruction in terms of how people can almost get out of their body and into their astral body and what to observe within the, the context of doing so would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we have all these familiar feelings that everybody experiences, the feeling of falling that we like, wake up in the bed, or orientation shifts where we feel like, oh, I feel like now I'm facing north, but I was sleeping facing south or something. Whenever we have these sort of experiences, in Gnosis, what, what, what we're sort of training ourselves to do is the, to then internally start mantralizing. And specific mantras may be la, ra, s, la, ra, s, it's called. And that way you're focusing all of your attention all of your conscious attention on the mantra. And then the body starts to have all these crazy sensations, maybe the pins and needles, the electric static sensation, the loud ringing, it feels like you're maybe your head's going to explode, although it's not. Uh, but you're just focusing on la, ra, and your body comes out naturally of its own accord. What usually happens, we don't, we don't experience that because we're already dreaming, which means we're fantasizing and the ego's going. But if we can work on our meditation, and use that as the focal point, which is interesting because it brings me back to my very first astral experience that I was talking about. Well, what had happened, I was lying on the bed, like I said. There was this fan going, so it was making this white noise that mimicked the sound of the vibration that happens. It's, it's sort of like this, sorry to make sound effects on your show, but this sort of noise, which is this internal noise. And I was thinking intensely of my grandmother because she had just passed away. So I was like deep in thought thinking, you know, uh, we, di we didn't really get along that well, and she wasn't that nice, but, you know, like, all, like we loved each other, and that's what mattered. But I had this intense thought. I wasn't letting my mind wander, and because of that, I experienced an out-of-body experience, which just seemed random at the time, but it turned out by, by accident, I was doing all these things that you need to do to experience it. I was focusing my mind, and I was keeping it, like, sort of ninja-focused on one thing as my body naturally, set, astral body naturally separated from the physical. So meditation helps. 
I was I was about to say, yeah, and, and that's where the the practice of being able to focus on one thing at one time correlates to the practice of dream dreaming and lucid dreaming because you, you need that. You need that, especially when you become aware within a dream, it can become very easy to kind of get lost in the excitement. So even just being able to practice that calmness or practice going into your breath or, you know, even the idea of practicing meditating well within a dream is like a very, very interesting experience within itself. Right, right, um, right. Which again, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, we'll have to, again, I, there's so much to talk about, but we'll have to get things wrapped up pretty soon uh, within this broadcast. Um, but Phil, just on the topic of lucid dreaming and astral projection, anything else that you just wanted to mention there? And then if we can just talk a little bit, um, a little bit more about kind of like the extrasensory abilities that we're starting to, uh, you know, become more aware of, and then we'll we'll have to wrap it up there. Even though there's obviously more to talk about, but yeah. Sure. Yeah, I guess my closing remarks on astral projection are: it's it's probably what we're most known for in the Gnostic teachings, but it's not the most important aspect of of, of gnosis. It's just, I think, the most um, appealing to the most amount of people. But the real point, the real goal with astral projection and all in meditation and all of it, is to know ourselves to study our psychology, study the ego, and start to rise above, eliminate the ego. And all of the practice has to do with that. So I don't want people to walk away thinking Gnosis is all about a bunch of dream warriors who spend their you know, evenings just zipping around for fun. The, the, the purpose is deep, fundamental change at, at the deepest level of the being. And astral projection is one way we do that. <coughs> Sorry. Now, to the other question was about uh, the change of, of the faculties, these things. Are. Yeah, yeah, just just becoming aware of, like, what are the other faculties that our bodies are capable of, have always been capable of, and we can start to become more aware of um, through, you know, chakra practices and meditation in general. Yeah, well, we can tie it together well, because let's take, for instance, you've been doing the chakra practice on your podcast. So the chakra E, the letter I pronounce E, the third eye chakra. So we strengthen that chakra, which is, again, as I said earlier, it's the organ of the astral body, and it's we call it clairvoyance. So if we can awaken that, what we're actually going to start seeing is the astral plane that's around us here and now, only we're seeing it from the physical perspective. So it's becoming a more holistic view. Right now we're talking about we're in the physical, we see the physical. You have an astral projection, and you're in the astral, and you see the astral. But if you awaken these chakras and strengthen them, you can be in the physical, experiencing the astral at the same time, the entities that are around us and everything like that. You awaken, say, the throat chakra, the letter E pronounced A, that's clear audience. You begin to hear the sounds, the harmonies of the spheres, the beings that are around us here and now. So what it's really doing is I like to liken it to something like, like a worm. Think of a worm in the mud of the earth and what their sensor, sensorial experience is. It's not so much. Now compare the senses of a worm and how they experience life to us humans with these five senses, right? And now think of how further we could go if we could see the astral plane as it is now, if we could hear the beings, if we had telepathy, we're able to communicate with, you, with each other through thought. It's like we're the worm now and then we become something even higher. So. What it really is, is waking up to the objective world. The problem is we only see a, a thin slice of it with our five physical senses. And when we start to wake up the chakras, 
we start to broaden our horizons, open up those doors of perception, and see the world for what it is. And that's far more vast than we can experience through our physical senses. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And so let's just kind of hit through uh, the the correlating uh, faculties with each chakra, which again is something that uh, for those of you who have tuned into the, the Waking Up With Wolf broadcast, which right now we're just in between seasons, but we did it for like literally, uh, we did 50 episodes. So, so there was a good period. So, you know, it was almost like two months worth of Monday to Friday doing this practice. Um, so again, for, for those of you who remember, I'll just kind of go over it again. Uh, the brow chakra is the vowel I pronounced as in, or sorry, yeah, it's a vowel I pronounced as in E, pronounced as in ski, and it's the faculty of clairvoyance. So the, again, kind of what Phil's saying, kind of being able to see, you know, like beyond the filters of our everyday perception. Uh, and, and so for, even from my understanding, even, you know, getting into, there's a whole nother topic here related to, you know, working with psychedelics and how that kind of pulls back the filters and, and you actually see this information that is there all the time. Uh, that can be a part of that when you're, you know, a lot of people are fascinated with this idea of like opening up the third eye uh, sort of thing. Um, and, and I do think that the third eye in itself uh, is always open to a degree, but it's just not like directly kind of like correlating with the scope of our vision. So that information is always being received, um, but that's not always like encoded into our perception of how we're immediately seeing. Um, but again, that's that's kind of up for interpretation. And then um, the next chakra, and I'll pass it off to Phil and he can kind of go through and we'll just kind of do this as a team, uh, would be the throat chakra, which is the vowel E pronounced as an A, which uh, jokingly I refer to as a Canadian chakra. That was like a running dad joke that yeah, we had. Right. So I'm like, eh, so <laughs> super corny, I know. <laughs> right. And again, the the virtue, uh, the well, going back to the brow chakra, the virtue is serenity. So there's like the correlating virtues. Um, and each of these virtues with the chakras kind of create this very harmonious perception and this harmonious uh, way of living life. So again, serenity would be the brow chakra, which is again, kind of being in that oneness state. And then the throat chakra is uh, the faculty of clairaudience and also the virtue of justness, being able to speak well, knowing how to speak, knowing when to listen. So it's interesting that the throat chakra correlates not just to speaking, but also to listening as well. And there's this also, uh, I love the idea that the throat chakra uh, literally is like the vesica Pisces. Like when you look at like the organ of the throat, it's like this little like flapping vesica Pisces, much like a vagina. So it's like this very sacred uh, piece of the body, which literally creates worlds with, you know, much more powerful than we often interpret it as. Um, yeah. And then, and then, uh, well, I guess maybe, maybe before we go into the next one, you'll notice that with the, with the Gnostic teachings, they don't immediately work with the crown chakra. And part of that is because they approach it as a culminator, as a, as an, as, um, a, a, like an accumulative chakra, or maybe that's not the right word, but again, it's something that you like, you can't even work with it within this immediate plane. It's actually like through the activation of the the entire light body that that is something that you work with. So maybe if Phil, if maybe you can explain that, and then let's just kind of go through the other chakras real quick as well. Yeah, the the crown chakra is the most sacred, and it it can only be awakened through awakening the other chakras in the Gnostic system. So there's no direct mantra for it that we work with specifically, but it it awakens when we when we awaken those other chakras permanently. And this has to do with the Kundalini and the practice with the Kundalini awakening, which would be, I'm sure, a whole other full broadcast we could talk about that. 
Yeah, but you have a good handle on this for sure. Yeah. So the E, E is the clairvoyance and it's mm-hmm. serenity. A is clairaudience, being able to hear, and it's justness, as as Brendan said. O is the chakra of the heart. Heart, the the virtue is love. Love ev- like love the neighbor, love everyone as you love yourself. Um, the faculty of that is intuition. So then if you continue going down, you have ooh, the letter U, pronounces in the word blue, ooh. The faculty for that would be telepathy, the ability to receive and, and connect people directly without having to communicate with them because that's always we're always taking in information through that solar chakra. That's why we can sometimes grab our stomach if we're something horrible is happening, say, or this feeling. And the, uh, the virtue of that is temperance, the idea of tempering ourselves in all things to not become, you know, gluttonous or greedy in all these different areas, but to live with temper- temperance. Uh, the pulmonary chakras, the, the mantra is ah, um, as in saw, ah. And the faculty would be um, ultra memory, it's called. Ultra memory, I believe. Mm-hmm. Now you're testing me on how well I know the teachings on my own boy. I like it. I like it. Yeah. But there isn't there wouldn't be a virtue attached with that one because yeah. it's sort of secondary. The seven virtues included the crown shot. There was um when when I was doing the yeah. when I was doing the broadcast, traditionally when we would do the ultra memory, I, I would usually bring us into a place where we're like reflecting on our connection with our ancestors and, and also like our future oh, lineages. So I usually correlated yeah. it with the virtue of gratitude where like within that okay. practice to yeah. just kind of like think about our ancestors and, and to even, and I even brought in this common visual where it was like, and the fact that they're on the shoulders, I was like, imagine your ancestors kind of standing behind you with their hand on your shoulder type thing. And that was like something that just kind of like felt like a, it correlated well with that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful image, beautiful imagery for Very sure. Very powerful, yeah, 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 yeah. So You're doing the Lord's work, Brendan. Oh geez, no pressure, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, right. We all are, right? I think so. Yeah, for sure. The Lord, aka yeah, the universe. Goes... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's out there living our lives. Yeah. <laughs> then we'll come with the uh, the sacral chakra, the the sexual chakra, um, and the mantra for that is M, pronounced like M. And the virtue with that one is chastity. So not everybody's favorite these days, but chastity has a very special meaning in gnosis, which again we could get into on a whole other topic sometime. But it's the it's the again the, the purifying especially of our sexual drives and and sort of transmuting our lusts into love and pure desires and these kinds of things. And then the final one is is the root chakra, um, muladhara, and it. Oh, sorry. Well, also the sexual chakra is related with the faculty of astral projection. It's it's the it's the strength like you talked about before. What what do they eat in the astral plane? And it's and what is the energy that feeds them is the sexual energy, the life force of the universe. Imagine the ability we have right now to play God. We can connect sexually, and the male female connect sexually, and they can create a new life. Now tell me mm. that's not playing God right there. Yeah. So then, yeah, and then the final one is the root chakra, and its mantra is S, the S. Also in reference to the um the serpent the, the kundalini is the serpent of light that's coiled three and a half times this energy that's down within the base of our caustics that will work towards rising up the spine and the the uh, virtue related with that is patience especially in these gnostic teachings patience and tenacity is 
very important. And the faculty related to it is he, he calls kings or queens of the earth. That means that we start to begin to dominate the physical nature as opposed to having our physical nature dominate us. And that means we're subjected by our senses. And now we rise above our senses. Beautiful, beautiful. Definitely a beautiful practice for strengthening the chakras. The chakras strengthen the astral body. A strong astral body strengthens the dream life. A strong dream life leads you into astral projection. Astral projection leads you into knowing yourself and overcoming the things that are holding you back from your highest spiritual potential. Absolutely. Yeah. And and again, and, and I love uh, usually within our broadcast, I would just kind of like hype people up to the idea that it's like it's like, man, like this is like awakening our like superhuman abilities, you know, but but it's just like things that have been kind of latent. And like any part of our of our physical body, it's something much like a muscle where we have to practice it, we have to exercise it. And it's great to be able to have a practice where we can be reminded not even just of the faculties, but also of the virtue and just be like, you know, like, where is my serenity today? Where is my justice today? Where is my gratitude, my compassion? And, you know, like, am I being how is my temperance? How am I practicing that? So just kind of bringing us more into that place of accountability. And that's where like the daily routine of it is so important because again like uh we've talked about this before in the other broadcasts uh in, in during your lecture it's this idea that you know uh like any muscle it will atrophy and and so even or it like collects like dirt or it collects dust like anything else so it's like you keep those wheels spinning you keep them clear and you keep them fresh and then it allows you to just kind of as as when i was doing the broadcast i was saying to people I was kind of hyping it up a bit and just kind of like putting out a story for them to kind of weave themselves through. But I'm like, if you do these practices, like you're going to start noticing like more synchronicities, like more, more like kind of like intuitive inspiration coming through, like more uh, kind of like awareness within your dreams. And, and people were like messaging me. They're just like, dude, like, I feel like I'm like, so in the zone, like I'm so in the flow and synchronicities have been really kind of coming to me. And, and again, it's just kind of like opening us up into that awareness for the universe to kind of meet us halfway as as cosmic citizens so it's it's almost as if like all of these little practices again they're incredibly incredibly ancient and they're like a part of our instruction manual for how to operate this hyperdimensional vehicle that a lot of people just haven't been given you know they've never opened that metaphysical glove box to figure out like what was in the instruction manual to begin with so they're just like they're driving their cars or, or not even a car they're driving this spaceship but they don't realize that there's like this whole other dashboard of buttons that has all these powerful, you know, dongles and triggers and things that will like send you into other galaxies and send you off on new missions and things like that. So anyway, just drawing back to that metaphor, but yeah, something along those lines. So, so yeah, so again, uh, Phil, I, 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 I really appreciate you being here. And, and again, I know uh, I'd love to just like pick your brain for, for like 10 more hours, but uh, really respecting the amount of time that we've already put into this and, and really just bringing ourselves into uh, a conclusion. Um, I did just want to be able to quickly check for anybody in the live chat. If you just want to be able to express some gratitude for Phil, please drop that into the YouTube comments or leave a comment after the broadcast. It is always greatly appreciated. And you can connect uh, not just to Phil, but to Nos the, the Gnostic teaching the Gnostic Association of London and or of Canada rather at gnosis.ca and through the contacts in there there is like the general email uh, which Phil uh, would actually reply to so if you might have a 
general question, uh, Phil has given us permission for you to be able to follow him up through the website at the gnosis.ca as well. So again, if anybody has any quick gratitude they want to express or any real quick question, uh, really quick, you can drop that in the YouTube comment. Um, but yeah, just as we move into this, we'll just, I just want to ask like one more question and then we'll go into a short closing meditation. Uh, in general, Phil, like, what would you feel is your message that, that you want to be able to, to put out there to, you know, the people listening to the world? Like, what do you hope to see uh, for the future of humanity? Yeah, I, I would hope that people really gain faith again, that there is a path to knowledge. Anybody can walk it. Theories are starting to die. We don't need more books. We don't need more ideas. We need more direct experience. People can experience these things for themselves, and I would like to hopefully see them take charge of their own spiritual evolution because they are the solar heroes of their own lives. So that's what I would like to see. Beautiful, beautiful. And and you, and you don't need to join a Freemasonry group to be able to get all, all the secrets. I mean, it's totally optional and everything like that. But if it, again, yeah. there's so much information now. It's, yeah, if it's all going, here. Yeah. It's all here, you know, so, so much. <laughs> if you want to join the Freemasons, more power to you. Nothing Absolutely. wrong with those guys. Nothing but wrong with those guys. You don't need to be in a secret society. Everything's unveiled. <laughs> there's nothing more you need than you have already within which sounds like a cliche you just need to find the map to start digging that stuff out and i hope people find the path and they start to walk it for themselves instead of theorizing and fighting over dead theories and 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 again and i think one of the most important elements of of any of these teachings is you know there's there's a very powerful key and no one else can give it to you. And that key is consistency, you know? So like, I think like that in itself is like, whatever, whatever it is that, that you're doing, just know that it's the consistency that will yield the results. If you're just like, Oh dude, like I already tried astral projection and it didn't work. It's like, mm, yeah, but like, you know, stick to it because, because usually, usually like there's kind of like that period where the universe is just like, let's see if they're really serious about this. So you gotta, you gotta kind of like use this as, as a chance to kind of call yourself into that higher place of will knowing, and we've already given you the benefit of knowing that these experiences are accessible. Like we've kind of like, you know, like revealed to you what, what is on the other side of the horizon of you putting the time into this practice. So do it for yourself. But at the same time, also do it for the fact that you can be a voice for, for what others themselves can also experience. Allow, allow yourself to teach not just from words in a book, but from your own direct experience, which, again, I think is one of the most powerful places to be able to teach from. So. Uh, again, Phil, thank you so much. Uh, lots of gratitude from you uh, in the in the comments as well. Thank you for everybody joining into this. I'm glad you guys were able to join and learn something new today. Please feel free to drop a comment on what was like one of your takeaways from the broadcast tonight. And Phil, are you okay with still ending it off with just like a very short micro meditation? And then we'll conclude it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, because what I would like to, to leave you guys with is a very powerful meditation. The one that I first used when I learned about it through the teachings of Samael Anvor, through the Gnostic school. And this meditation is if you are not remembering your dreams, if you're not having vivid dreams, and if you're not waking up in your dreams, this practice over time and persistence will accomplish that. And it's called Ahipto, 
the Spanish word for Egypt, E-H-I-P-T-O, and it's just simply a mantra, and this mantra is like lifting weights for your astral body. And over time, just like lifting weights in the physical, over time, the more you do it, the stronger the astral body becomes, you will start having vivid dreams. You will eventually, if you work on your conscious awareness, key of Saul and all that, you will wake up in the astral plane. So it's a hip toe. Um, maybe I could do it a couple times just so we get the sound of it. Or did, were you thinking like a five or ten minute? What are you thinking about? If you, yeah, if you just want to give us a quick demonstration and then we can just kind of like drop into a meditation. Sure. We'll do it a few more times from there. Yeah. Okay, so I'll give a demonstration and then we'll go on for like a, a minute or so where people can join in if they want. But I'll do it so that we can get a sense of it. So first step, like any meditation and gnosis, is to relax the body and spend a moment sending your consciousness throughout your body, looking for any area of strain or stress or any muscle and tension, and consciously relax them. When your body's relaxed, you can focus all of your conscious attention on your breath. Simply observing the rise and the fall of your inhale and the exhale. When we perform this mantra, we're going to be visualizing our body becoming filled with light. That light is the purification and strengthening of our astral body. The mantra is A Heep To, pronounced in three separate syllables. So we can do the mantra now. A.
doing one more time. Focus on your breath, keeping all your attention on that sensation. And then slowly we can once again return our attention back to the room that we're sitting in as our demonstration is now finished. Yeah. And so that practice, if we can do it, and you have it, if you have a lot of trouble with astral projection, do an hour a day. It will help. You don't have an hour, do half an hour. You don't have half an hour, do 15 minutes, but do something. Wonderful. Thank you, Phil. And, and just for a little bit more context, can you explain like why does that make a difference? And, and not even just that, but like, why do mantras actually make a difference related to our chakra practices or anything else? Because I'm sure a lot of people are a little curious about that. They're just like, like, you know, like, like, what, what, what are those sounds doing? You know, like, how, how is this interfacing with our body, with our spirit, with our energy bodies? Well, you sort of touched on it when you were talking about the larynx and its relation to, say, the, the female sexual organ and the ability to, to create, and that through, through our intention, which is the willpower and the mind, connected with the sound, which is the vibration and harmony of the universe, we're combining both of those things. And our astral body is a vibratory body of willpower. So in that moment, we're bringing the will, the mind, in connection with the vibration, with the sound, with the sacredness of sound, and we're strengthening those specific chakras. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and, and that's been part of my understanding is that it's not even just the sound. It's the idea that the sound becomes a carrier for our will and for our intention. Of course. Is that, would, would that be a way of explaining it? Oh, absolutely. Because you could be sitting there going, hey, what am I going to have for lunch tomorrow? Keep, what do I have to do before bed? Told, oh, did I leave the oven on? That's not going to do anything because there's no, there's no concentration. There's no will. So it's all about consciousness in the present moment with focusing all of our attention on those sounds and those chakras. Right. And that's, and, and that in itself just goes so much more beyond just, you know, the chakra practice or the mantra practices and really just encouraging us to bring even more awareness into the intention that we're using when we're just talking right now, when we're just communicating, right. You know, it's just like, am I really, right. am I really putting intention? Am I just flapping my mouth and making noise? Or is it, is this, cause again, when we feel that, when we feel really present and we're in a conversation with someone, you notice that difference where you're like, Oh my God, my words are literally changing this person's world right now. You know? So, Absolutely. so for everyone here, be, be aware that our words create worlds and, and encouraging you to really step into that power to, you know, use the power of sound to carry your intentions a little bit more than maybe you did yesterday. So beautiful, beautiful. 
Awesome. Beautifully said, Brendan. You do great work. So happy to be on the podcast and great to connect with you and paradigm shift again. It's always nice to know that we're out there, Gnosis doing our thing. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, Brendan's out there doing it. Paradigm shift is there. going still, you know, <laughs> you guys were just, you know, we're just doing our thing. I love it. And walking and, that path. Yeah. And again, you know, like each of us are, are reaching each of us, each group, you know, every single one of us, all of us listening, we're all reaching people in different ways. You know, each one of us is an extension of that bigger tree. So the branches we put out, we're going to, you're going to reach people that I'll never reach. Like for the people listening to this, like you'll connect with people that I'll never know personally and everything like that. So allow each of us to be that extension of truth, that, that connection that, that just kind of like slowly invites people back to that central source of inner knowledge and everything like that. So um, yeah, Phil deeply, deeply. Thank you again. And like I said, I, I, I'd love to just be able to chat more and, and perhaps we'll have to schedule in another time to do so. Uh, Cause I'm sure people here again, you know, this isn't just for entertainment. This is practical knowledge that we're able to get something out of. And, and again, that's the, the whole purpose of this broadcast of this podcast is really encouraging you, the community, you, the listener to, to be inspired by this, be inspired by Phil doing what he does by myself, by all of us as a community and keep taking those steps forward in leading the shift, leading the shift in consciousness, helping do it through our own process of personal transformation, our own process of personal alchemy, which we didn't really dive into just yet. But but again, it's, it's a metaphor, transforming lead to gold. It's all about like spiritual. We, we did talk about it. It's about purification, you know, about the idea of really just getting in tune with who we are and getting more humble in, in what we do would be the simplest way of kind of thinking about what alchemy is so that we can show up with even like more impact and more ability to lead and inspire and so again you know really just thanking everybody for continuing to carry these vibrations with you further out into your your immediate relationships into your bigger community into the art that you're creating into the everyday work that you're doing into your personal practice thank you thank you thank you so um phil just kind of wrapping it up again for people who uh, are elsewhere in the world uh be sure to to run a google search see if there's a gnostic like place where you are because they're all over the world and and they might be having some meetups or, or some sort of courses that that you can be a part of so if you're interested in, in what phil's been talking about and you want to connect with community of like-minded people check if there's a gnostic group where you are uh, if you're in canada go to the gnosis gnosis.ca website which links into the individual communities uh if you're in london ontario canada uh again stay tuned um is there any schedule in terms for things happening in london ontario canada for people to know about or i guess when you guys start your next routine of um classes weekly weekly groups that you do it's it's in the works right now we have a a new instructor also who's coming on who's on board now so we're working on when the next set of public lectures are going to be but it should be in the near future beautiful beautiful awesome Wonderful, wonderful. Well, uh, with that said, thank you again, everyone, for being a part of this. And and Phil, any any final closing words of gratitude or or you know messages of enlightenment that you want to be able to share with the audience? <laughs> gratitude is fine. I want to express my gratitude for being invited to come onto the podcast, Brendan. I feel like we don't get to talk enough, you and I, for such like-minded guys. So it's nice to be able to have this chat and have people participate in it. And also on my own personal path, I'm very thankful for these teachings of Samael Anvor. They've completely changed my life, and I'm just happy to be part of it. That's just what I like, just being in the fight. It's just where I like to be. So it's a wonderful life. Uh, it's a 
what is it, a great life if you don't weaken, so they say. So stay strong, get out there and spread that light. Awesome, beautiful, beautiful. And just for um, <clears throat> for those of you who heard, Samael Unvor, uh, for those of you looking to type that in on Google, it's Samael, S-A-M-A-E-L, and then A-U-N-W-E-O-R. So it's pronounced Samael Unvor, but spelt with a W at the end. So just little bit of context there but yeah there's a lot of lot of uh, great teachings already available online so again you know if you're interested in learning more about this stuff just hit up your local google and and you'll find plenty so See, it's awesome. all unveiled just ask it google. is it is it is <laughs> yeah. absolutely so beautiful beautiful well thank you again everyone for being a part of this please feel free to like and share this broadcast with your friends give it to them as a gift invite them to be able to connect further with the paradigm shift central community again be sure to connect with me on instagram at mystic spider-man and paradigm shift central for our team account if you enjoy this broadcast and want to be able to help directly support financially with more ongoing broadcasts and plenty of conscious media you can do so by contributing on patreon with either a monthly donation or a single donation you can also check out more at the questitemshop.com where you can order items such as our shift buttons our light guardian crystals which also greatly help support the project and again thank you just for being here and sharing this with your friends this is a great way to be able to support and go out there and help you know just continue to continue to be a part of this bigger story of leading the shift in consciousness so on behalf of myself and phil we will wrap up this broadcast and thank you so much and join in for more inspirational paradigm shifting content so all to all you multi-dimensional beings out there we send you much blood much much love and many blessings and we will see you guys in the future so phil go ahead and join me in saying good night to everyone and good morning and many many blessings so until next time everyone so much love awesome thanks again Thank you again to our friend Danny Leonardo, whose music is featured at the beginning and end of this podcast. Be sure to check out more of her work through the links in the information on YouTube down below. Much love, Danny. Mm-hmm.